This podcast is not to be used as medical advice or medical education. If you are experiencing pain, discomfort, or any other medical or physical ailment, please consult a licensed medical doctor or physical therapist. This is the strategy of fitness. Hey, this is Dan Gorin from the Strategy of Fitness Podcast. We'd like to thank you for all of your support. And if you love the podcast, please recommend to a friend. Find the Strategy of Fitness on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. Please like, subscribe, follow, and leave a review if you can. On Instagram, we are at the Strategy of Fitness. And we also give you the best gym songs every week. The Strategy of Fitness official hitters playlist on Spotify and Apple Music. Welcome back. Episode 61 of the Strategy of Fitness podcast. My name is Nick Cressy, joined weekly by Dan Gorn and Rob Rowland. Boys, what's going on? Hey, nothing. I missed you here with our, our boy, but her was fantastic and can't wait to dive into that. But you're joining us for the, the nice session to recap. Excited to be here. Rob, what's up? Nothing, man. You, you okay? I'm starting to hear that, that tired Dan come back. We haven't heard this Dan in a while. Remember, there's a few episodes where you started a little slow and then I think you got charged up by the pods. I'm hoping we can breathe some, some life into you here. <laughs> I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't count on it, but I'll try my best here. All right. Well, cool. Let's go around the room. Just so everyone knows, a little Veterans Day edition. We have Stu Smith on today, Navy SEAL, uh, Naval Academy grad, fantastic resource out there for anyone that's looking to join any type of tactical operations, whether that be FBI, the SEALs, SWIC, Rangers, et cetera. I mean, he's, he's even doing stuff with Secret Service and police and firefighters. So very cool stuff. Very cool to hear his perspective. And he gives us a good 35 minutes of some good info. Dan, what'd you hit this week in the workouts, man? So before I get into the workouts, I had a question for you, Nick. I was actually thinking about this today. Do you think that, you know, your, your background in special warfare, do you feel like the kind of the glamorization of the Rangers, the special warfare, like we had Josh Dunce on who does that, kind of like the underwater bomb squad shit. Like the fact that it's so much more accessible with podcasts and guys like Tim Kennedy out there and David Goggins out there, do you feel like it's going to be a higher recruitment rate? I'm sure that's what the army and the military is hoping for, but is it, do you think it's improving the, the, the recruitment rates or do you feel like it's not really making an impact? It's really hard, man. They're having a hard time keeping people. There's a lot of problems in the teams right now and in all, in all branches of you're getting the best, And in a lot of cases, you're getting people that are more prepared than ever, but they're not staying in for careers. So myself, I mean, I was moving up the ladder pretty quickly. I was getting out in six years. You're getting a lot more college educated people that are coming in, even enlisted because it is so competitive and they're dipping out after six to 10 years. It used to be you'd go join the teams and you'd be there for 20 years to get your retirement just a little different now. So that I, I know for a fact when I was leaving, like SEAL teams and SWIC teams were both like, oh shit, how do we address this? How do we keep people? And then when I got out, I work with a couple Green Berets now in my consulting job and they're the same way. They're like, yeah, man, people are, people are leaving. They make it a little easier over there because you can do 
Air National Guard and Army National Guard and still be a Green Beret. You can't really do it like that so much in in the Navy or not as not as well. So it seems like it, it, the, the recruitment rate, I don't want to say it doesn't matter as much, but the, it seems like the retention rate, like what you're saying is, is you're not getting those people staying as long. So then you need to re, refill the pool, you know, at a more frequent rate. So that, that's an interesting perspective. Just kind of a thought as we have uh, Stu on and just kind of thinking about, you know, the vets on Veterans Day. And I've heard Tim Kennedy interviewed about this stuff. So it's just kind of a, a cool topic I was interested in. Yeah, the whole motto is you can't mass produce soft, right? And you can't just address it and say, we need more people. They have to be the right people. They have to be trained. You can't lower the standards or you're watering down the nation's best asset in, in a lot of cases. So, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. I don't know if you saw anything at your job, Rob, back in the day when were, were people leaving or were, were they career guys? It's different aviation just because especially like rotary wing, the civilian pay just isn't the same unless those guys yeah. were like venturing out into business, then you can make the big money. But like just air force in general, they're aviators. They got to, they give these guys huge incentives to stay in because commercial airlines, I mean, you're pulling yeah. in like well into the six figures. So that, I mean, that's part of the human performance programs, right? To like give these guys assets that they know they're not going to get in the civilian side. How do we find ways to recruit the to keep these people in the service? And again, from a total novice standpoint, Nick, and, and when you look at technology and how things have progressed in the military, is there any way that, like you said, you can't mass produce the elite soldier? Is there any way that you could use technology to make you know those numbers not need to be quite as high in the future in the future years, or is there always need to be a certain quota that needs to be hit? Probably yes. I mean, I don't know. I mean, look, technology's never been better. There's never been more drone strikes. There's never been. More, there's never been the the Bin Laden raid before. It was going to be a SEAL team. It was they were going to just drop a drop a smart bomb on it to be able to positive ID something. You're going to need that human interaction, right? And for the foreseeable future, I don't see it going away. What can be augmented by technology will be. But at the end of the day, you're going to need trigger pullers. Yeah. And sorry to get off on the whole tangent. It's just, like I said, it's a point of interest for me. And I think that that stuff's really cool. Thank you, you know, all the, all the military out there for your service. And it's good shit. Happy Veterans Day to everyone listening today. This should be hopefully up on Veterans Day or the day after. So, yeah, I think um, your question is interesting, too, because... I think these selection processes that we kind of talk about this a little bit with Stu, they've been in place for like so long and they're so good at what they do, even with the training programs out there, like the higher or the bigger pool of higher caliber candidates that are applying, like the, the test and the the screen hasn't really changed much from, at least from what I know, I don't know if Nick wants to to weigh in on that, but it's like these it processes hasn't. they've been doing for years. It's just like your peers kind of select out the guys that aren't going to make it and their, their selection process is kind of tried and true. Yeah. It's interesting because when you listen to the people on the back end, like the actual military leaders and they're fearful because they can't pe keep people in or there's less people staying around getting in has never been harder. The PST, what is it? It's the 40 push up, 50 push ups, 50 sit ups, six pull ups for the, for the Navy anyway. It's a joke. Everyone's absolutely blowing it out. It's 120 push ups, it's 120 sit ups, it's 25 dead hang pull ups to even be considered to get a billet to go to training. And then 80% of those are going to wash out. So the candidate's never been better prepared, they've never been smarter, they've never been more driven. At the end of the day, are they staying in? Is it compounding or are you losing people? You know, the attrition on the back end rather than before 
uh, selection. And it's interesting because there, there's a huge turn going on here, guys. Like girls are, are welcome to a lot of these selection courses now. So that is one of the ways that they're trying to combat it by saying, Hey, you know, girls are allowed to go to, to a lot of these trainings right now. So that, that'll be a big shift. There was a first female, either the SEALs or the Rangers, that there was recently a female that, that made it through. Is that correct? I think it was Rangers. Yes. I know there's a female late in first phase of BCT, both basic crewman training for SWIC. So she hasn't been through the tour yet or anything. And that's typically a pretty big line in the sand. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But I know Marine Infantry, a female has made it through. So they're, they're definitely expanding it there. That's cool. Sorry to get off on the whole sidebar, but yeah, great information from both you guys. I, I appreciate it. And then, yeah, as far as workouts, um, one of the things, uh, how do you pronounce his name? Is it Kalippa? Jason, Jason Kalippa. Oh, Jason Kalippa, yeah. Yeah. You know, we had a good workout. I don't know. I get, it, I get it mixed up with that chick, Mia Khalifa. Jason Kalippa. Jason Kalippa. Great dude. Mia Khalifa, ah, great for different reasons. God bless them both. But the, the Spiel versus Khalifa workout, Khalifa, Khalifa workout, <laughs> it was, and I hate this rep scheme. I talked about it the other day with Rob's mistaken kettlebell workout, but the one to 10 ascending. So it was clean jerks at 155. And then after every round of clean and jerks, you hit a round of Cindy, which is uh, five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, 15 air squats. So one to 10 with a round of Cindy after each round. So a lot of volume there and total of 55 cleaning jerks at 155, which is a good amount of weight for me. I got through it and under, there was a 25 minute time cap. I think I hit it in 24, 23, something about there, 24 minutes and 23 seconds. So it was a really good push for me and I kept it moving pretty well. Really great workout. You can modify the weights and you can modify any of the Cindy movements if you want to do that. So you can you know, do something like 115 or 95 pounds if that's numbers a little high and then you know, any other modifications you need to make. I think it's a pretty scalable workout. Really good. One of my favorite things is this using Cindy as a tool inside workouts. It's yeah, fantastic. It's good. I, I've noticed it more and more pop up. It, it's so great. The 5, 10, 15 is a great rep scheme. It's body weight. Throw yourself under some barbells as well. I, I think it's a, a cool thing that a lot of CrossFit gyms do. It's great. And it also, you know, we, we tend to get out of, out of Murph season, you know, like everyone, you know, is running with the vest on come May and, you know, we're all trying to get ready for Murph, but this keeps you, keeps you kind of Murph minded throughout the, uh, the off season, so to speak. So good shit. Nick, what hey, about you? Well, before we do that, you hit Annie too. I love that. It makes you really sore. Can we talk about that really quickly? <laughs> yeah, it was a running Annie and I was not in the best shape this weekend. I was coming off a little sick, cold. Right? Yeah. A little sick. Yeah. Nothing crazy, but hit a mile run and then Annie and then another mile run. I'm still getting used to, I got that comp rope, which I talked about, which is awesome, but it's just like, if I get my rhythm thrown off on that thing, it's a, it's a long day, the office with the dubs, which sucks when you get used to a new rope. But I think in a couple of weeks, it'll be very, very nice. Yeah. And, you know, and I get, I get the doms, I get the abdominal soreness, probably worse than the GHD setups as we talked about, but, but definitely with Annie as well, a lot of setup volume. I just like that workout for anyone out there that just needs something quick at home you know, everyone should have an ab mat sit up. I really, or an ab mat little, you know, piece of machine. It's what, 25 bucks or something, a little piece of yeah. foam. It's great. You can build your core at home and that's a cool workout, even if you're doing single unders. So I haven't done it in, in years. You bringing it up made me think, oh shit, I need to do that. I, I don't even remember. So cool. Put, put a little hot sauce on it, get that mile run on the front and the back. And yeah, that's good. Kind of ramps it up. Yeah. My, my week, I don't know. Let's talk about what buried me the other day. I think it was a regionals. I guess there was no regionals this year, right? It was a it was a games or pre-games event. 
it was the five rounds. It was 500 meter run. Supposed to be 15 overhead squats at 155 and 15 bar facing burpees. I subbed it to 185 front squats. Bad, bad idea. Really bad idea. Just absolutely buried me. Clyde had given me a 20 minute cap on the RX version with the overhead squats, but my hips weren't feeling good. Man, I haven't got bullied by a workout in a minute. That one fucked me up, boys. It was it was gnarly. It was it was like 24 minutes in. I, 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 I hate to say this because this is going to be a dick comment, but I was surprised you didn't go unbroken on those squats. No. And, well, and, and if not, and, and again, that's just, I, I'm, I sounds like I'm being a dick, but again, I'm giving you credit, whereas I expect your strength to be close to unbroken. What, what was it on the squats that was, that was troublesome for you? That was one of those workouts where like, I'm sure everyone out there that's listening when they see a workout, if you get a program and you see it for, and you think about it all week, like it was one of those things where I knew because up front there was a volume, there was a, a 30 and 30 sprint. It was a 30 clean and jerk with a dumbbell and a 30 cow assault bike. And then there was heavy front squats. And then I subbed the heavy front squats. So like I kind of was going into it being like, oh, you got tired legs. So, you know, I, I wasn't in the best mindset when in reality it wasn't that. It was I got to the 10th rep each set getting off the treadmill doing the 500 meter run. And I was like, I got to do fucking 15 bar facing burpees and then get back on that treadmill. You know, it was, it was one of those like mental beatdowns. It was that so, I so, knew the next round was coming. Yeah. It was, it was some self-preservation because the first round I hit 15 unbroken, right. but I paid for it when I got back on that treadmill. I was yes. like, fuck. I remember doing one. And again, your front squat's a lot better than mine, but we were doing 185 from the ground. It was, you know, front squat, assault bike kind of back and forth. And I remember hitting 10 right out of the gate. And I probably could have gone for, you know, gun to my head, maybe 12 or 14. And I'm thinking like in my head, but that makes a ton of sense because that you're right. Then if you go from 15 to the burpees and then to the run, you're totally fucked. So a 10, five split makes a heck of a lot more sense. I, I'm glad you, you broke that down. Cause I wouldn't even, I'm an idiot. I wouldn't think of self-preservation like that, but I'm sure it's far more efficient as you get into those later rounds. Well, and the, and the, thr- and the burpees were just slow. They were just slower than I anticipated. And even like I was cruising the first round, like I said, I went on broken and I looked back at the clock and I was at like three forty-five, and that was totally unbroken and pretty fresh. And I'm like, well, that's three forty-five, So I have to, I have to maintain that to be, you know, sub 20 here. And that's one of those things where like you kind of break mentally where you're, you're kind of getting back to the run and you're like, how the fuck am I supposed to maintain this? Again, I thought that the 185 front squat would be comparable to the 155 overhead squat. Eh, Maybe, maybe not. I don't know, but that's enough about me. Rob, what about you, man? What'd you hit this week? So this week was the return of the trail run, the night race. And I have not been running at all since pandemic. I've been riding Ryan, this little guy over here. So I was interested to see how I would do. Course was a little bit different because of a uh, pandemic. They did like rolling starts. And I think the course ended up being a little bit different. I was feeling pretty good. Made a wrong turn. I think it added like a quarter mile to my, to my run. So I didn't beat my time from last year. So nothing, no PRs to report, unfortunately. Cardio felt you- good. The, the hills were absolutely as bad as I remember, but like all the flats and downhill, I was like, I was felt like I was recovering quickly. Did the bike help the legs at all? Do you think? With not the on the hills, dude. The, the specificity of running uphill, like I just, yeah. I don't think there's any way to sub that. That just there's not that crushes you. Did Griff do it this year? That's my biggest question. And did you beat him? So Griff beat me because I got I got ahead of him. Ooh. I made a wrong turn. He passed me, and I could never catch him on the the backside. Sounds like some bullshit. Are you so guys still I, friends? I, 
I own them. I own some nooners. We bet some nooners on the race. So he's got, that's great. That you guys didn't run together. I like that. That's my favorite part. Hey, you and I were texting earlier today. Let's give the listeners a little bit of some Rob front squat info. Cause this was really good. I didn't even think about it. I sent Rob a video of myself doing a, it's a front squat and a quarter squat. You come up about a quarter of the way, maybe halfway, and then you dip back down to your pocket and then you stand it up. And I never even took into consideration that, that you can work that two different ways. Can you explain that? Because I think it could really help some folks. Yeah. So I was kind of asking what your intention was for that. And there's, there's probably more than what I'm just throwing out there, but there's like the Olympic lifting application of that, where you're trying to teach your legs how to use that rebound out of the bottom. So like you, you catch that, that bar, you ride it down and use that little bounce to help yourself up when you're going a super heavy squat. So that's one way you could work those front squats, right? Like come quarter of the way up, free fall down and use that bounce to see if you can use the energy of the bar and that your legs to come back up. And then there's just, if you have a stinking sticking point, right? So every rep, if I go to my sticking point twice and try to blow through it the second time, maybe that's helping me build some strength specifically in that part of the squat where I, I really struggle. And I think that's what your intention was, Nick. And then another one on top of that, if you're just like going for muscle growth, like the one and a half squat, the all the way down, halfway up, down, up under control, like that, that's one of the best ways just to blow your legs out if you're trying to get some time under tension. So again, like intention makes all the difference with this kind of stuff, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. I was even thinking after you said that maybe a tempo down explosion halfway up and then rather than that sloppy bounce, kind of not quite a tempo, but a controlled down and up would probably be the most time under tension to only get a single rep, but be able to do low sets. So definitely some fun stuff to play with and ways to to be creative while you're while you're lifting. It forces you to be tight when you do that one and a half. You can't let your your air go. That was a good tip I gave Dan on the video that he sent out to the group, but he didn't even reply. So I don't think I'm going to comment on any more of Dan's videos. I, I can't even remember which video that was, but you used to program those for me. I've done those before. No, no, no. Oh, your, two, your front squat, you're doing your 265 front squat. Yeah. And you take your air on the way down. Okay. So I think that's a good teaching point, right? Because right. you're so used to this Metcon going CrossFit where you have to learn how to breathe through a, a movement so you don't blow up. but don't forget when you're training strength, you got to set the stage to put max force into the bar. So Nick, who was that, that video you sent out of that chick that like sings to pop music as she's squatting? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I know exactly. Who like she about, does yeah. a perfect exaggerated version of it. She's like she's dancing, she gets under the bar and then she takes this big air in <gasps> and then locks in and goes versus Dan, you kind of drop down and then you don't get your air till you're like halfway down. So your body never has a chance to put tension in so when that weight gets too heavy it just kind of dumps you forward so i was like i didn't see the 275 but i would have bet that's where you lost that weight yeah i'll say i I can't i i'm shocked that i'm shocked i didn't reply because i did note that but b i'm shocked that i didn't send you the 275 fail i I think too i like the 265 i'm such a so weak mentally on those lifts man because 265 felt so damn light and i got good depth with it i flew out of the hole like it wasn't a problem. I'm thinking like 285 and then 275, I fall apart. So I might fire it up again this weekend, see what I can do. But 265 PR front squat, I'm pretty happy with. And I should definitely be squat cleaning in the 245 or 250 range based on that video. What do you think, boys? Yeah, you're yeah, easy. Leg, I mean, you should not a limiter at all. And if you go by, you guys know who Mike Bergener is, right? Like he's the CrossFit Olympic lifting guy. He'll say that, Nick, when you talk about that one and a quarter squat, whatever the max weight you can do with a more dynamic version, that should be what you should be able to clean. 
So that's probably a better proxy for what your max clean is if you have good technique versus just a straight front squat. That's different. That's interesting. Because that should be a little bit lower than your max front squat, right? Like we were talking to like 90, 95% front squat and what? 400 pounds. We know he's not cleaning that, but maybe his one and a quarter is somewhere closer to like that 360, 370 range. That makes sense. And Dan, yeah, to give you props on that, 265 flew up. And I didn't even pay attention to your breathing until Rob brought it up. I was just looking at your legs. Maybe that's it. I mean, honest to God, when I when I learned how to do a good a good tense breath hold, I did it to protect my low back. But man, it changes the game. So if you're taking that big deep breath up front, maybe you blow up out out of that hole at two seventy five because you were three quarters of the way up. Yeah, and I, I hit that sticking point, which I you know I've hit before, but. I'll tell you what's helped my bracing. And I know the breathing definitely needs work. It's definitely an area I can improve, but I'll tell you that the belt, the Rob and you recommended the rogue, the 10 millimeter belt, just feeling that proprioceptive input for my abdominal region gives me such a good visual for that bracing. It's really helped me more than anything else. I think just set it before you descend and you'll, you'll have that stable platform to push from. There we go. Yep. So, so lots to work on, but thanks. Thanks for the advice guys. You know, and I definitely couldn't have gotten there without you pushing me along the way. So I appreciate it. Thank, thanks for texting me back. Appreciate that. Sorry, man. Sorry. It gets busy around here, dude. I got like, I'll, I'll, I'll fire over these texts and these videos. And then I got a kid kicking me in the groin and spitting on me like seven minutes later. I'm trying to fucking fight for my life here. Not no, nothing better than Dan sending out, sending out a dozen texts in a row and then he can't answer you for eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the worst. Yeah, and putting in 17 DraftKings bets, I fucking ignore my family. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uses them as alibis. Rob, tee up our guests, although I did it up front. Give us, you know, 10 seconds and we'll we'll jump into the interview. Yeah, I don't know what else to add to. We got Stu Smith on, former Naval Academy graduate, teams for, what, eight years, and then made the transition to fitness. He's got more books than maybe Dan John, and it was a great interview. Welcome to the Strategy of Fitness podcast, Stu Smith. You know, a little Veterans Day edition tomorrow. How you doing? I'm good, thanks. Good, man. So, to set the scene a little bit, Navy SEAL, Naval Academy grad, now Stu Smith Fitness. Anyone that's been through a pipeline, I think, at this point knows who you are, has read your books, tactical training, et cetera. So really excited to get into all of that. But before we do that, what'd you, did you get a workout in this morning? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm my regular routine. I'm 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Just about, you know, six days a week. I usually take Sunday off, maybe stretch and do some walking or something easy on Sunday. But yeah, I usually get after it first two hours of the day. And what did it look like? Day. Give, give it today was us. leg day for us. However, we're kind of in a transition. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with my seasonal tactical fitness periodization system. We're at that point right now where we've just been off a really high repetition, high mileage, PST-driven cycle. Now we're getting into a transition of adding weights, and we're about to decrease our running, increase some speed, but decrease our distance, decrease our repetitions, and add some weight to it. So we're right at that point, and this is the last week where we're actually just testing to see where our best PST scores going into a winter lift cycle. So this week's all about testing. So today was an old school run and leg PT where you run six, eight hundreds mixed with, you know, squats and lunges, calisthenics. So it was good. Good day. 
That's beautiful. And you're doing what what the trainees are doing, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, I did. Now they're faster than I am. I, <laughs> I will, course. I will say that. However, in the pool, I can get most of them. But on land, I've lost a step or two over the years. But I'm still awesome. hanging in the seven minute mile pace. I'm happy with that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, well, we want to get into all of that because I think it's really cool what you do and you, you build some serious monsters. But let's take it back. We we always like to hear how you got here, man. Take us all the way back. Where'd you grow up? Sports when you were a kid, Naval Academy, SEAL days. Yeah, I, I grew up in a small town in North Florida called Live Oak, Florida, Swanee County. It was, I think there was maybe two high schools in the whole county. So it was pretty rural. Great place to grow up. Loved it. Worked hard. Played sports. Had great summer jobs, like hard summer jobs, like working on farms and pitching watermelons and, you know, I mean, just fun stuff. And it was a great place to grow up. So I I enjoyed that. And I made good grades in high school, played football and baseball and wrestled. Last two years, they actually created a powerlifting team. So I said, bye wrestling. I'm not losing any more weight to wrestle anymore. I'm going to get monstrous and get a letter for lifting weights, which I was doing anyway. So I started powerlifting junior, senior year, and that screwed up my baseball. So I moved to shot put after that. So I played track my last couple of years in high school. So I just kind of bounced around and it was all around strength. So I was pretty strong type athlete. Anything over a hundred meters was long distance running. And that, that was, that was my, my thing. I knew I wanted to serve. I knew I didn't know how I wanted to serve. And then I found out I could maybe play football in college and serve at the same time. So I got recruited by Navy and decided to go to Naval Academy. And, you know, I knew originally I wanted to be a pilot, you know, Top Gun had just come out in the eighties and, you know, it was cool stuff back then. So that, that was my plan. And uh, I get to the academy. I lose 20 pounds during plebe summer. I fail my first fitness test I ever took. I maxed the second one, though. We'll just, just let you know on that one. And I didn't make the football team. So right there from the start, between that, you know, plebe summer boot camp style training all the way to Thanksgiving, I went from like crushing high school and everything about it to just failing just about everything and almost failing out of the academy by Thanksgiving, right? And I came home Thanksgiving, missed everybody, girlfriend broke up with me. I mean, it was just, it was just all downhill. I, I didn't think oh, I was the making classic, the classic recipe for a freshman. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Brutal. So I didn't know if I made the right choice and, you know, I was, just told my mom, I said, man, I, I really miss you guys. I'm, you know, and she goes, well, and she's, I was crying, you know, she said, well, won't you quit? Come home. And I'm like, I can't quit. <laughs> I got to figure this out. And she goes, then quit crying. Let's figure it out. You know? So she just, she was kind of like my Rocky music theme started playing then. And I was like, all right, I'm going to figure this out. And I did. I, I figured it out. I wound up playing rugby for those three and a half years that I was there for the remaining time and met up with some great mentors along the way. There were seniors and juniors that were above me that were heading to buds, played on the rugby team, and really set a good standard of what you needed to do to be there. 
you know, so I had a good picture of like, okay, these guys made it through. These guys were hardcore. I got to get there. And so I, I kind of figured it out along the way, had four other teammates with me on the team that all went to buds. And then 20 of my bud of my Naval Academy classmates, we all go to buds and we all made it and had a hundred percent graduation. My, my year, we were a pretty tight group. There was actually about another six or seven more that lateral transferred in that, that all made it as well. So yeah, it was a, it was a good year. We had a you know, tough group of guys, but like I said, I wouldn't have done it by myself because like I said, I got there and just completely zeroed out as complete failure. And it took some focus and, and work to try to turn that around and especially turn it around, not just to pass, but then to pass on a, you know, spec ops fitness level by the time I graduated and took, took a lot of change. You know, like I said, that, you know, anything over a hundred meters was long distance for me. So that, that was a process. That was a two-year process right there. So, so that, that's a big changeover from struggling first year to going through, through buds on first pass. So what was the impetus? What, what was the big like, changeover for you? You know what? I, I, like I said, I got there and was doing miserable. And I saw the guys who were kicking ass. And I was like, I got to figure out what they're doing. And all of them were doing something hardcore. You know, they were, they were trying to go buds, EOD, they're trying to be Marines. And I was like, man, sounds like, I mean, I'm not knocking pilots or anything, but you know, I was just like, you know, I enjoy what they're doing. I enjoy this process of change that is occurring. And I just found a home there, you know, I found a home in that. And then I saw, started seeing progress. I mean, it took some time, but I, you know, started seeing progress and if you know me, you know I'm always on the run, up early and home late. So having a three-hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because it was, I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process, so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash proven grit. Check it out. I was now the guy in the company of midshipmen that, you know, was helping people out with, you know, when they failed a fitness test or if they failed a swim test, you know, I was kind of becoming that guy slowly. And by the time I was a senior, you know, I was, I was really kind of setting the standard, at least in my, my circle. Though there are people much faster and better than me, of course, I wasn't like the number one guy or anything, but 
you know, I was, I did well enough to get one of those billets to go to buds afterwards. It's kind of like that old adage of being the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I'm sure a place like Naval Academy, everybody, there's just so many quality people. It's hard to regress. Oh my God. I mean, I was, I felt stupid there. I mean, I really did. And I mean, I was never the smartest guy in the room and there were always, there was always somebody who worked harder and somebody who, you know, was faster and better swimmer. And, you know, so it, it, I always had somebody to train with that was better than me. So that's beautiful. I mean, the mindset shift after the adverse couple months, getting in there, finding your, finding your, your people to, to work out with, you know, it's like a microcosm of, of kind of why people go to the gym. You know, we try to make this to the most broad listener at home, you know, it's get in with, with the people that are going to push you, not going to let you fail. Sounds great that your mom was like, well, quit or get your ass back in there and, and make it work. Right. <laughs> she didn't mess around. Yeah. yeah probably like those bud instructors. They say about the same mm-hmm. thing, I'm sure. So tell us about the time of the teams. You did eight years, right? Yeah, I did eight years. Uh, it was a weird time in the nineties. I went from 91 yeah. until 99. Oh, if you would have stuck around two more years. Holy I know, I know. Life would have been completely different. But, you know, to be honest, by the time I was 30, I was starting to feel the effects of overtraining, overstress. I mean, I was pretty beat up, you know, just physically, not, not emotionally or anything like that, but just physically beat up. I remember going to my SEAL team and saying, Man, my high school athletic program has a better weight room than my SEAL team. I remember saying that in 92, you know, when I was when I was getting there. And now it's a world-class human performance oh, program that would rival any Olympic training center. And but they didn't have that when I was there. I mean, when I was there, you just got crushed by the hardest guy in the team would lead the PTs and you know, you were doing whatever he was going to do that day, you know. That's so much less fun. I mean, it was, it was fun. It made it a competition and, you know, it was always a, you know, some kind of peeing contest one day or another. And, and we just, we just got after it. And, you know, when you're in your twenties, not a problem, you know, you, you can kind of burn the candle at both ends, but things start falling apart by the time you hit 30. And, you know, working hard and playing hard, you know, start to catch up with you and, you know, put all that into, into being married and having your first kid, you know, by, by late nineties. And it was just, it was just a weird recipe of tested my commitment to stay in for 20 years for sure. And I I wound up only doing eight years, but I had a great time. I was at the SDV team. We, we were doing a lot of diving, a lot of old school frogman type missions, underwater ship attacks, and but it, it was really good. I enjoyed the diving part of being a SEAL for sure, and that you definitely got a lot of dive time at a SDV team. Yeah, I, I was. I worked primarily with SDV guys, and that's just a different. It's a different level of uh, operator. You know, everyone's trained to be on the ground now. That's that's back to the roots of of really what the seals are when you think of it, and those little SDVs people have never seen them. That 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 is a tight tight compartment to be in for you know eight to ten hours. Oh my god, cold, tight, dark. You know, it's it's just everything that is uncomfortable all into one little 
device and but it was it was fun though i mean it was a it was a cha- every mission was a challenge you know all the training missions were great because you were usually in a place where the visibility was a hundred feet visibility and beautiful water and you know seeing i remember just driving past the submarine and the mini sub and just watching it go by and i could see the whole thing you know it was like a football field just swimming right past me you know underwater it's just a it was amazing thing to be able to do you know yeah no doubt about it so then you you get out in 99 and did did Stu Smith Fitness come about right then did you do some writing before like how how did that come about yeah, you know, as I was leaving the academy, it was like six months away from leaving, and a, a publisher came to do, I think he did like all the service academies, some kind of workout book for the service academies. And I just happened to be kind of the guy running the plea fitness when, you know, when I was back there. I went back there as an instructor for a couple of years and, and I, I met him and I was like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about making a, a book you know, fitness book, you know, how, how hard is it to do? Right. I, I hadn't even thought about it until I saw what this guy was doing. And so I said, well, I pretty much have it down. I've been doing a workout with my mids for, you know, the last year and a half and, you know, they're crushing it. And, you know, so let me see what, see what happens. So I actually met a publisher who wound up publishing all my books. And over the years I've published like 13 different books with him. And then, you know, th- there were things that he wouldn't publish or any other publisher wouldn't publish, like the FBI, FBI fitness test workout or, you know, something like that, that is, I self-published. So I did a lot of self-publishing, too, to a tune of about another 30 books, you know, that are just specific answers to people's problems. So when someone has a, a desire to serve, they want to be a firefighter, or they want to be an FBI agent or a Secret Service agent or whatever that is. You know, I have that answer. You know, here's what you got to pass. Here's how you pass it. And, you know, a lot of people don't even get to the training because they can't pass that fitness test. Now, obviously, there's a lot more to the job and to training to get through the training. And that's kind of like what my phase two is, is you got to get to the training in order to get through the training. And then that's a whole different line of specific training programs. But it all started then as I was about six months out from from getting out and it, it just kind of evolved there. But I will say after 9-11, I, I kind of got out of the fitness writing world for a little while and did some contracting. It was a little more, it was a little different contracting. I didn't do too much overseas stuff, but it was more knee-jerk reaction type security consulting with transportation companies and real estate development companies that had high-rise buildings. You know, they wanted stuff like, you know, security stuff. So anyway, it was typical knee-jerk reaction. That lasted like a couple of years of security consulting and just so happened military.com was coming back online pretty strong and they hired me to write fitness articles and and then I was doing some more writing and it just kind of blew up. But once the internet really came down and you could start downloading products and downloading ebooks and and then social media, it just kind of blew up from there, you know, doing the same thing, just different ways of getting the word out. 
So, so I'm guessing when you first started writing, it was all a lot of personal experience, but since you've written in so many different areas, have you built up your, your knowledge base in fitness? Are you in, embedding with different units like Secret Service? Do you just have contacts there? Like, where, where are you pulling all this knowledge from? Great question. I have a program called the Heroes of Tomorrow. So, and what that program is, it's a local program that I do. When I say I work out for two hours in the morning, that's who I'm working out with. They're free workouts for anybody who wants to serve. And over the years, if you want to serve military, law enforcement, firefighter, I have accumulated training programs and contacts and going to visit people you know, at, at their academies, whether it was fire academy, police academy, military units, whatever. And I wouldn't say I was embedded with them, but uh, some form of consulting, you know, that I learned and they learned kind of shared information like that. But yeah, that's how I get most of my information. One of two ways. One, every bit of what you're supposed to be able to do to join these units is online and publicly available. You got to run, you got to swim, you got to do pull-up, push-ups, you know, whatever your PST is or fitness test is. I can come up with an answer for that, no matter what it is. After that, it requires a little bit of, you know, specific knowledge about the training, the academy, the, you know, the selection and all of those. And, you know, just over the years, I've had countless people who I've prepared for those units personally here. But also, you know, they have kind of been like the template for my more generic programming, you know, that turns into ebooks or books and things like that. So I guess perspective when you're writing these programs, are you trying to set people up to be top of their class when they go to these selections? Or is it more injury prevention? Like you're going to have to start your training for buds a year out to make sure you don't don't wash out as a injured injured candidate. Both. You, you have to. And, you know. I kind of have a a little system now over the years I've created like an assessment tool. And this is where your your score should be before you even talk to a recruiter type of questioning. And if they're not there, then here's the answer. You know, I have a phase one program, you know, for people who are under the standard of the fitness test. For people who aren't even near that, I have a more generic or more basic program than that is kind of guide you just towards the basics of calisthenics and cardio and really build you up from, from no, from nothing. You know, if you're 80 pounds overweight and you, you want to go be an army ranger, you know, there's going to be a journey on that process. And the cool thing about social media and answering emails and I answer all my emails, I get a lot of great questions like that. So that constantly creates ideas, me to be able to think, come up with ideas for articles, may even come up with an idea for a a different level of progression that I wasn't thinking about before. Because we're all beginners when we start this journey, you know, in some form. Some of us come into this journey with a little more athletic base than others, but we all have weaknesses. And that, that's something that I try to expose to them as soon as possible that you're going to be exposed to all of this type of training as a tactical athlete, and nobody is good at all of them when they first start out. 
you know, you, you're going to have some strengths. You're going to have some weaknesses. You got to focus on those weaknesses in order to make them closer to your strengths. Otherwise, they will be exposed either in the recruiting process or the selection process. And, you know, that is going to require one of two things. One is going to require more of a gut check on you mentally to be able to get through that weakness, or it's going to create a injury because you're overuse type injury stuff. So all of that comes into play with these programming that I make. I will say this, you know, a generic program like tactical fitness right there, it's a generic program. You're going to have to personalize that to your abilities, you know, that any book, anybody will have to do that. And I tell people right from the start, I do have an online training and coaching program as well that you know, their feedback helps me each week create a new week of training for them. So that's a little bit more personalized. And that helps me, to be honest with you, create a database of people and programming that got through this training. You know, this guy got through this training. This woman got through this training. You know, and it is, becomes part of future programming, you know, depending on what topic I'm trying to write about, for instance. That's awesome. And that Heroes of Tomorrow program sounds great. I can't believe it's free, but I guess it makes Free program. It, you know what? I, I started it, shoot, man, 22 years ago. I was still in when I had started just doing it on su- Saturdays and Sundays locally. And I was just working out with people. And it started off as I was doing a swim workout on my own. I saw two people trying to do the combat swimmer stroke. And I was like, what are you guys training for? So I said, let me show you how to do it. And then Hey, I'm always here at six o'clock. So, you know, come on by. And he, they brought two buddies and they brought two buddies. And next thing I know, I uh, got a group of people I'm working out with that just become my workout partners. And they still are now. So today we had probably close to 30 people work out with us. So it was, it was a pretty fun group. That's so. beautiful. So I think one of the coolest things about talking to coaches or trainers especially in the field where you're at, where these guys want to be, or girls want to be high performers and and serve, there's got to be some commonalities in mindset. So I'm sure you see absolute physical studs that can't get through the adversity or hit that hard plateau and, and can't keep climbing, right? What do you see as far as successful candidates that the listener at home that's not going to be an operator or a firefighter or a policeman can can take into their own personal training just from a mindset perspective. Number one, I always say this, you know, even though it's a free program, it's six o'clock in the morning, the motivated find me, right? So there has to be an intrinsic motivation deep down somewhere. And a lot of people say motivation's garbage. And I don't, yeah, at first, at first it's, it is not. We're all motivated to do something. I had posters in my wall as a kid of Marines and jet planes and all this stuff. I mean, they were motivating to me, but eventually that motivation has to evolve into discipline, right? And what I tell my guys is, is, look, you're really motivated right now and you really want to get after it. So let's start making good habits now while you're motivated, because probably in about six weeks, there's going to be a time when you're tired, you don't feel great and you're not motivated. And guess what has to take place then? Motivation has to evolve into discipline and otherwise you just, you will not show up, right? And that has to become part of a disciplined, habitual 
persistence, consistency, you name whatever, you know, you know, synonym to that. That is how it works. You know, everybody's excited. Everybody's a beginner when they first start out, but everybody's excited because they want to do a new program. And that doesn't mean that doesn't have to be just for guys that want to be spec ops guys. That's person who joins the gym. Everybody is motivated when they first join a gym, but a month later, they don't show up anymore. That's how gyms first, make money. Those first five pounds fall off people, man. It's, it's the next 20. It's yeah, the next oh, 20, yeah. right? And it's the same yeah. thing when you're training. You know, you're going to hit your mile. It's going to be a 10-minute mile. You're going to go down to eight pretty quick. But getting yeah. from eight to six, that's, yeah, that's, that's, where it's, that's where the differentiator is, right? And I think yeah. that's, what you, that's the callousing of the mind. That's a good point. Yeah, you know, it, it is, it's all about progressions, all about, you know, you being able to habitually repeat what you need to do every day, even when you don't feel like it. Now, there's some days where you got to take off. I love recovery days. They're some of my favorite things to do. But I take a recovery day so I know my day five, day six of the week are, are going to just get crushed. You know, I, I do that on day four with that day five, day six purpose. If I skip day four recovery day, I'm trash on day five. But that's me as a 51-year-old guy who's been doing this for a while that needs some little more recovery time than the average 20 year old but even my guys that are high performer spec ops level guys are are really digging the a day four recovery day and it's not like it's a a day off it's just you know it's just a little bit easier than your previous days but you know all of that comes into play you know whenever you're chasing down those goals but you know it starts with motivation it leads into building habits that habits is a you got to build them. Otherwise you, you don't build the discipline that you need to be able to do it when you don't feel like it. I love that. That's perfect. One more quick one. And then we'll get into some, some quick hitters and let you go. Do you have a favorite group to train? Is it the operators? Is it the police FBI or is it kind of, you like it all? Huh? Well, I would say this, I enjoy getting after it with guys that also like to get after and gals that like to get after it, you know. So spec ops level workouts are something I really enjoy doing personally. However, I get so much reward out of a guy losing eighty to a hundred pounds in a year and being able to serve in whatever capacity that person wants to serve, versus you know getting a guy from ten pull ups to twenty pull ups. You know that's that's an easy day. You're right. But getting somebody to consistently show up, not only work out for that hour, hour and a half every day, but the remaining 22 and a half, 23 hours, they are doing the right things by watching their diet and able to, you know, lose that weight in a healthy manner. You know, it's life changing for them. And that is probably the most rewarding thing I get out of you know, training people is just seeing that level of commitment and success occur from someone who just needs it. So that average gym goer, your civilians, the people that aren't serving, what of the programs you have out there, what do you recommend they follow? What, which book of yours would you say to pick up? Mm. You know, I realized this a long time ago is unfit people don't buy fitness books. <laughs> so I quit making <laughs> fitness books for <laughs> 
<laughs> that's true. That's damn true, man. <laughs> I'm trying to hold it together over here. That's, that's damn true. <laughs> but no, I have so I have a beginner section on my you know stewsmithfitness.com website, and they, they have a 90 day beginner plan. I have a tactical fitness over 40 series that is really popular, and that first book in that is rebuilding after illness or injury. It is a beginner program for people who've just kind of neglected stuff or their job just beat them up so bad that they have to spend a good six months treating themselves like a beginner in order to you know, progress back to where they were. So I, I do have a beginner section, general fitness section in there as well. And some of my books have a small beginner section in it you know, maybe like a six week or a 30 day beginner program that builds into an an intermediate program and then more advanced. So you may see all of them in, in one program, but yeah, they're, 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 they're they're differentiated on the, on the website. You, You can see, you know, where the different levels of intensity lay, you know, on there for sure. Very cool. All right, we're going to get you out of here on a couple quick hitters. We ask every single guest we have, and the first one's the most important. It's what's your favorite non-alcoholic seltzer? Hmm, that is important. I like bubbly. We probably have three cases of bubbly in the house, but I will say this. My daughter just graduated college, and she introduced me to White Claw, and I have to say, it doesn't suck. Outclaws. We're outclaws here for sure. We love them. <laughs> hey, what, what, uh, what flavor of bubbly if we got to get specific? Raspberry. Perfect. Love yeah. that. All right. Next one for you, Stu. So we ask every guest, how do you define strong? Usually it's like one lift and a, a relative body weight standard. But for a guy like you, is there is there a grinder workout you put guys through to let you know if they're at a certain level? Like you're talking about those 800 repeats today, or if it's just a standard lift, throw us, throw us out what makes you strong. Ooh, you know what? I was talking about this the other day. All right, here's the deal. I'm going to get away from the traditional lift answer with this one and describe activities in my backyard, right? I have logs in my backyard. I have a big shed in my backyard. Sometimes I'm taking big tools and pieces of equipment in my backyard. Other day, you know, I, I, I was deadlifting like 400 pounds the other day, right? So that's pretty good for me. I'm pretty happy with that. I would say if you can do you know, one to 1.5 times your body weight in a bench press, and you can do 1.5 to two times your body weight in a deadlift or squat, I would say that's pretty darn strong. Obviously, it's not world-class strong, but I don't know about you, but when I'm moving stuff from my house, whether it's a piece of furniture into a truck or piece of equipment across the yard, you know, if it's going to weigh over a hundred, maybe 150 pounds, I'm probably putting it in some kind of wheelbarrow or a dolly, right? I'm not going to just go grab it and do it. So part of me who likes to make things functional, I have to ask myself, how functional is that 400 pound deadlift? If I'm going to use a dolly for a 400 pound refrigerator, (laughs) right? So I have a friend of mine who bear hugged a refrigerator and just walked it out to the truck about 40 yards. That that was strong as hell. He's strong. Yeah. I was like, holy crap. How are you doing that? I was going to hook a dolly to that thing. But, you know, just awkward lifting, awkward weights, 
you know, not necessarily a barbell with some plates on it, but just awkwardly adjusted, you know, maladjusted weights, whatever that you want to call it, you know, from A to B without hurting yourself, I would consider a very useful form of strength. Awesome. And then the last one for you, what's your one rep max song? I know you're doing a lot of group PT, so you're probably getting these candidates ready without music, but for yourself, if you're about to rip a barbell off the ground, what are you throwing on the stereo? Oh, I have I have three options. I have mm-hmm. ACDC, I have Black Sabbath, and Metallica. Either one of those. Too bad Dan's not here. He would eat that up. Yeah, our, our, our other co-host absolutely would be slobbering right now. So. I would say ACDC number one. I probably have all their albums on my iPhone. And where do you do the Heroes of Tomorrow training? Well, I do it here in Maryland, right outside of Annapolis. Also coach the midshipmen still, those spec ops candidates out of the academy. So I go there a lot with those guys. But yeah, Heroes of Tomorrow here. I've actually created, if you go to heroesoftomorrow.org, you'll see a, what we do, at least our schedule for what we do here in Maryland. But also there are other cities in the U.S. where guys that are volunteering their time to train people for fun. Right. You know, and they're not necessarily trainers. Some of them are, some of them aren't, some of them teach swimming, some of them don't, some of them just teach swimming and nothing else. And they just volunteer their time. They, they set up a couple hours a week to, to volunteer coaching people that want to serve and they do it for free as well. I think we have like 25 cities where people are coaching voluntarily as, as often as they can. Like I do it six days a week, probably about 12 hours a week. So you know, it's not everybody does that, but yeah, it's great. I'm 45 minutes away. I'm going to, I'm going to come over there one time. And oh, you got to, in. it's so fun. Yeah. Let yeah. me know when you're coming. We, we may spice it up a little bit with some options. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> I'll give you some yeah. lead time, but I'm over in Delaware. So we'll make that happen. Oh yeah. We well, got guys from Delaware making the trip. Yeah. Beautiful. Cool. Well, thanks so much for the time, man. This has been great and we'll stay in touch. We'll post this probably tomorrow. Happy veterans day. And thank you for your service, man. All right, guys. Hey, thank you. Thanks, Stu. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Stu Smith, check him out. Cool guy, fun guy. And Rob, you and I are definitely going to, we're going to find some time to work out with that dude in, in Maryland sometime. No bullshit. Oh, he'll drown me in the pool, but it'd be fun. Oh, he's a com- combat side stroke warrior. The dude, if anyone out there, anyone young that's thinking about doing any type, I think that's the coolest part about this podcast. We just talk to people all over the place. So who the hell knows when you stumble upon this episode? But if you do, that guy is a resource. Go to his YouTube channel. He's got endless, endless form breakdowns on how to do that. And it's very important to, to get that stroke right before you go show up and do a PST. I just love all the free stuff these guys give out, like between Dan, John, and Stu, like they've evolved to a level where they just don't think about money anymore. I think about monetizing everything, but appreciate guys out there like this that are just giving, giving out the secrets for free. And just Almost sitting like- with us, right? Like those are two of the biggest trainers that I know. Like, obviously I'm pretty tailored to, you know, I, I think a certain type of way. So I'm looking for guys like that, but those two are like, the two biggest in their industry. Like if you ask anyone that's that's prepping for a selection course, you're thinking of Stu Smith. And if you basically are talking about anything <laughs> as, as far as strength and conditioning, you're thinking of Dan John. So if you haven't listened to Dan John's episode, check it out. We did it a couple of weeks ago. Sorry, Dan, I cut you off. Just kind of go piggyback off what you said about Dan John. I had so many people, there was at least two or three people in my gym that came up to me. Like, Holy shit. You guys talked to Dan John. Like their memories, articles back in T nation. Like he is, 
you know, it's a kind of like a, he's the underground legend, you know, like if you've been in the game, like you've heard of him and he, he carries a lot of fucking weight, man. And that dude uh, knows his shit. Yep. No doubt about it. Cool. And we got a couple more cool guests upcoming boys. What do you got as far as hitters this week? Rob, you have one. I got one. Just a test drove it tonight before I came in for the podcast while I was lifting the rack on tours. Salute your solution. Oh, I've never heard of that band. What do you got, Dan? You're asking me about Jack White, Nick, and uh, his guitar work. That is Jack White's offshoot band, right, Rob? Yeah, I think Rack I was tours, asking yeah. you about it. I sent yeah. you that SNL clip of him just going Yeah, yeah. So somebody's asking. Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, the Rack and Tours is Jack White. Oh, the Rack and Tours. Okay, sorry. I, I think they said Rack on Tours. Uh, Rack and Tours. Yeah, yeah. I have heard of them. It's my speech. I didn't think they'd made gym music, to be honest with you. Well, That's maybe good. it's not. Test it out. Let me know. No, yeah, I'm going to love it. I'm sure. I think they got a good a good vibe to them. Dan, what do you got? I got a combo announcement slash hit <laughs> announcement is we are on it's TikTok. It's an announcement? Yeah, we are on TikTok, right? So strategy of fitness on TikTok. We already got some followers. We got some videos. We've totally sold out. And I go through the trendiest songs on TikTok to find, you know, try to get the most views. So I found a good one. Moon, 24K Golden featuring Ian Dior. <laughs> Check it. Dude, that that word's love- like every catchphrase from 2020 just put into a title. Exactly. Exactly. Move, Every yeah, week exactly. you look five years older, but you talk 10 <laughs> years younger. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely legendary. This TikTok shit is so good. I'm uh, like a I, dog just trying to pull off my chain, uh, my leash. I'm what? so close. You were the one, A, you're the primary motivation for me getting TikTok or for, you know, the pod getting TikTok. It's you, like every once a week, there's like a peg. I get a peg like, yo, like we should put that on TikTok. So I was like, you know, I was sitting there fucking bored the other day, dicking around my phone. I'm like, you know what? Let's, let's do TikTok. Let's, let's fire it up. So I'm going to try to put it in the intro and, and make sure you follow us on TikTok. Strategy I think uh, Mia Khalifa's on TikTok. <laughs> we got to stop talking about Mia Khalifa. This podcast going to end. <laughs> yeah. well, strategy to- of fitness. Our next jump is OnlyFans. <laughs> We're going there. <laughs> <laughs> There's some desperate ass people out there. I'm sure. I'm sure we could fetch a pretty. We'll pay. get listens for sure. I'm doing this is the Carter by Lil Wayne back from I don't know the Carter two. Great song. Before I don't know he got a little wacky, but cool. Before we jump off, boys, any do you guys want to wrap up? Do you have any outtakes for the election or anything? I asked you last week, Dan. <laughs> no, we're still staying away. Got it. Cool. <laughs> All right, great. Well, this has been fun, guys. Happy Veterans Day to the to our our listeners out there that are you know past, present military folks, and we'll be back at you next week. Later, later.